This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30-day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried The Alcohol Experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Scott Pinyard, head coach at This Naked Mind, and I am back with another edition of Coaching Questions and another incredible certified Naked Mind coach. It's Coach Marilyn. How are you doing today, Marilyn? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So your niche, uh, you work with cancer survivors and people wanting to improve their health in general, and you work with Spanish speakers. I think you're actually the only coach right now that works in Spanish, I believe. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that. Who are your clients and, and how, do you, how do you work with them? All right. Well, um, so uh, the first one is... Uh, Having uh, being a breast cancer survivor myself, one of the things that I did when um, after I had done my radiation and treatment is I wanted to find ways to make sure that there wasn't any reoccurrence. And so I started looking thing, up things and going to workshops. Um, and one of the things that you can control, obviously there's lots of things you can't, but one of the things you can control is sort of your diet and drinking. And uh, I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting that nobody tells you about, you know, the alcohol increasing the rate of breast cancer um, by, I believe it's 17% for three drinks a week or yeah. something like that. And so uh, I was like, okay, um, then I definitely want to do that. And I would go to the workshops and everybody would ask the question, can we drink? And all the nutritionists would say, yeah, it, you know, a glass or two here, there should be fine. It should not be a problem. And um, I think there was one lady that said, you know, I drank and I, I got cancer again and I wish I hadn't drank. And, and that was, she was, everybody kind of went like, Ooh, but that's you, you know, th that's yeah. not going to be me. And, yeah. um, and I, so I just thought that that was, uh, you know, pretty sad that even, you know, when you're going to these workshops to try to get some help, you know, out there, then um, they're still telling you that it's okay, you know, to consume alcohol, uh, even in, you know, moderation, but still. Um, so that's when I really kind of delved into uh, this naked mind. And, uh, you know, I wanted to get the best chances. And then my Spanish speakers is because, you know, um, I feel like when we assimilate here into this culture, um, drinking is part of this culture, Big right? Time. And yeah. so um, <laughs> there are, like you said, not a lot of coaches out there um, that can do 
um, some stuff in Spanish. Uh, there's actually another coach, Ginny, uh, in Mexico. Oh, right. And, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but her Spanish is not fluent, um, so she prefers to have like bilinguals and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, um, it's mostly for uh, people who've been in the country in the United States for a long time and have assimilated to the culture, but kind of want somebody um, of their own culture, or their own Spanish culture, kind of to help them out with the drinking. And I, my uh, my group is called Sazon Sin Alcohol. And sazon is the little condiment you put on all food to make it taste great. So that's where it's like, you know, the seasoning of life without alcohol. I like it. I like it. I, you know, I, around the, the breast cancer stuff, I have to say, you know, when we run a live alcohol experiment or people read the book, that is probably one of the things that we get the most comments about just being blown away by, right? Like people, it's just something we don't, talk about um how like as you've been as you work with people like how surprised are your clients to kind of hear that and understand that and like how do you work through that because i think for a lot of people coming out of a stressful situation and cancer absolutely counts as that um it feels like all right well that's the thing i'm going to reach for right that's how i'm going to deal with <laughs> some of the stress and i can only imagine i haven't experienced it myself um, but I can only imagine that's that's a big part of it. So how do you how do you work through that? And like, what are what are some of the things that you find, or at least in your own journey, that were helpful for you to kind of get beyond that? Yeah, um, I sadly drank through my treatment, um, so I can totally <laughs> relate yeah. to that whole stress situation. Um, but it really helps, it, or it helped me to have my my why. Right. It was, you know, I'm doing this to be the healthiest version of myself. And I want to give myself every possible avenue to not have a reoccurrence. And I need to put that, you know, front and center. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, nutritionists, uh, my oncologist, all of these people, um, I've mentioned, you know, I've quit drinking. None of them go, oh, that's awesome. They're, you know, it's sort of like, just like, oh, that, that's good. Um, but it's not really something that they recommend. Um, yeah. So you have to do, you know, so when you tell people, um, either they know from their own research or they haven't been told and they're very surprised. Um, so having, you know, your positive why and remembering that, it, you know, when it's stressful and it, when things can get, you know, um, daunting is to remember yeah. exactly why you're doing this. And, you know, I, I had a little bit of a time when um, I kind of questioned, well, you know, why am I doing this? Because my mom, a year later, was diagnosed with the same exact breast cancer that I was. Wow. And it wasn't genetic. And that's crazy. She, yeah, it's totally crazy. And same treatment, same everything. And she doesn't drink. And I remember mm. talking to a coach going, like, I realized that for a long time I had been like, I deserve this because I was drinking so much. And then, you know, my mom got it. And so it was sort of a big eye opener. Like, no, it doesn't matter what, what you did before anybody can get cancer. Right. And so mm -hmm. to have that like grace for yourself that you, you'll never know what caused it or what didn't cause it. And to, you know, be, be nice, compassionate to yourself about that. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. So that was, that was a, 
a big moment, a big shift in, in, in my thinking. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard, you know, one of the things often like, you know, where you already mentioned grace, but like we're, we're, uh, you know, science-based sort of what we call compassion-led or grace-led methodology, which really like the square one for us is it's not your fault, right? Where you are with alcohol. Um, there's nothing wrong with you. Alcohol is addictive to all humans. So we have to start from that place. But I feel like that must be hard if you're already thinking, oh, I had cancer and that's, I've somehow contributed to it. Um, but giving yourself that grace and like you said, that realization of like, oh, anyone can get this. That's the beginning of real healing, even though it feels like, I don't know, it feels like, I don't know if it's the right way to say it, but like, you're almost letting yourself off the hook. You know, that's not really what it is. What it is, is you did the best you could with the tools you had at the time. And I'm guessing it probably wasn't until after when you were in those remission classes that you found out <laughs> that there's a, <laughs> there's a strong link, right? Right. Um, yeah. It, you know, you just, it, it, nobody tells you. Yeah. And, um, you know, those conversations are just not happening in enough places. Um, until the people are already in it. And uh, actually somebody brought, um, like I'm in various cancer groups and they posted like, you know, cancer diet, like uh, cookbook or whatever. And yeah. on it was a glass of wine. Like it was like, you know, things to cook and, you know, to improve your health and you know how they promote wine as healthy with. Right, it's good for your heart, so, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, oh. So uh, I'm out there trying to, you know, get the word out, um, yeah. especially for young, young people right. who don't get to hear this. And, you know, of course, are not thinking I might get cancer someday, right. you know, one in eight women. So, wow. So, yeah. Great. I'm glad you're doing this work because I think that again, like it is something that we do need to get the word out about, you know, you hear so much about it and, you know, we, and I could go on about this part forever, but like, we've known, this is not new news, right? That this link exists. Like we've known, and actually the, the negative consequences of alcohol consumption are all around us. We see it everywhere, right? Everything from drunk driving to relationships, um, uh, to health complications. So I'm glad you're doing this because as someone who's been through it, being able to talk about it and not only talk about it from the standpoint of being a survivor, but talk about it from the standpoint of like, let me help you work on your thinking, right? Here's the shift that I made. I think that's huge. Um, that's really awesome. Thank so you. let's, let's, uh, let's dive into some questions. I got a few. All right. You. All right. Um, good. Here's question number one. I am in a constant state of panic. I'm triggered by all the things that are happening in the world and my fear of not being able to stop drinking once I start. Seconds after I wake up, I feel the adrenaline or maybe cortisol literally coursing through my body, settling like a lump in my lower throat and chest. I want a night alcohol-free as I'm sure the panic will be less the next day, but I can't manage it. And that adds to the panic. Plus, I'm carrying a lot of anxiety on my daughter's behalf. I know that doesn't serve anyone. And I don't know how to manage this physical and mental feeling. It is all consuming. How can I work through this? Oh, my goodness. Um, 
I'm sure a lot of people are feeling like that uh, through this pandemic. I know that I definitely did panic um, in some cases, but uh, what I would tell this person is, you know, um, breathe, first of all, <laughs> take a, you know, a few deep breaths. Um, and it sounds like, you know, you're aware of all the, all the bad things that the stress is creating, you know, the cortisol going through your body and all of that kind of stuff. And that perpetuation, that cycle of anxiety, drinking, and then that fuels your anxiety. So all of that going. Um, but I would definitely do uh, some kind of work in, in terms of like feeling those emotions and trying to process them in a way like, uh, like I said, with deep breathing, going outside and just, act, act, you know, when I uh, heard the question, it's just grounding yourself, like actually go out, you know, with your bare feet, stand on the earth and kind of just ground yourself, um, feel that connection there and, you know, um, try not to think too much of the future. I have, um, I usually say anxiety robs me of the present moment because you're worrying about something that may or may not happen. Yes. And so trying to stay present, what can I do now? And usually when I have my anxiety going, you don't think straight because you know your reptilian brain is sort of like, I need, I need to be safe. So what I ask myself is, am I safe right now? This second, am I safe? And if you can answer, yes, in this second, I'm safe, you know, I'm wearing a mask or, you know, I'm inside my house, I'm mm -hmm. doing all this kind of stuff. Um, then that helps your frontal lobe come into, uh, into play, which is your thinking part of your brain. Yes. So now that you've quieted down your lizard brain, that's going, I need to hide. I need help. This is, you know, exactly. the world's ending. Um, then you can go, okay, is that true? No, not right now. I'm safe let me let me think of things I can do. And so constantly uh, helping, you know, saying that to yourself throughout the day might be helpful to, um, you know, sort of calm that down. Uh, if you can find anything like yoga or meditation, um, those are really helpful for me in terms of anxiety. Um, and even just, um, I was hearing a podcast, somebody was saying, just dance for a minute, like get it out, you know, like physically yeah. get that anxiety yeah. out. Um, you might not feel like dancing, right? Because you're, you're anxious, but just like jumping up and down and moving and trying to get the anxiety and writing down things that helped um, so that when that anxiety comes again, you can think about it and just take it five minutes at a time if that's all you can manage. Yeah. You know? I think that's, I mean, that's all really good. One of the, one of the things I see in this question, which is good news is that there's an awareness of the anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And that is often half the battle. I mean, when I, um, you know, when I coach people, I try to remind them when they're running into difficult thoughts and they're like, oh man, I'm really anxious about this. I like to remind them that the fact that they're aware that they're anxious, let alone what they're, that they're aware of what they're anxious about, um, that is, that's massive because once you have that awareness, you can actually do something with it. Um, I totally understand feeling the anxiety for what's going on in the world. Um, in, 
you know, whether it's pandemic or anything else, like there's, there's always a lack of certainty, but there are some times when I think that that uncertainty is just in a certain focus that is scary. It's absolutely scary. Um, and one of the things that is really, really helpful to me along the lines of, you know, dancing it out um, is expressing it, right? It's taking some time to write in your journal. And I don't know, I can't really think of a single time that I've taken the chance to do that, where I'm feeling a certain amount of anxiety and I sit down for 10 minutes, it doesn't even need to be that long, and write out what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. I can't think of a single time that I didn't feel better. Maybe it's not totally gone, but just the act of releasing it in that way can, can make it so much better. The other thing that either writing or speaking about it can do is it can provide some clarity um, because I don't know how you experience it, Marilyn, but for me, anxiety is, it's, I, it's not like just like a single thought. It's this combination of like words and memories and sounds and like physical feelings. And it's all kind of jumbled, right? It's just this general like jumbled energy. And by, by having to use the structure of language, by having to like write it out in sentences, uh, it helps me order that and that can make it feel better. And, you know, ultimately I think this, you know, well, I know that this person is right in the, in the sense that they know that an alcohol free night would make them feel better. Um, but the other flip side of this coin, and also what I'm seeing here is that there's a lot of pressure to get to that alcohol free night, you know? And the ironic thing, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, we're compassion based, we're grace based, um, you have to let go of some of that in order to actually get there. And I know it sounds like an oxymoron, right? So I'm not saying don't try to have an alcohol-free night, but let go of the fact that I have to do this to feel better. Um, because the fact of the matter is you can take baby steps with this, right? So if you normally have six glasses of wine, what if you only had four? In my book, that's a win. And I understand that there would still be some physiological effect from that, of course. You know, the issues with, uh, with adrenaline and, and waking up with a hangover are still going to happen. The difference, though, is that you'll be able to say, hey, I cut back. And sometimes, especially when we're in really difficult times, when we're really feeling a lot of stress or anxiety, um, it's really important for us to celebrate those small wins. Um, and that's one thing that I've seen um, in working with people. This was, um, I remember I was coaching someone a while ago um, who was in a similar boat of just like, I've got too much stress. When I don't drink, I feel like I feel the stress more. Um, and just giving herself permission to drink less she knew it wasn't getting over the, you know, getting over that, that finish line of alcohol free that she wanted to get to, but she was able to drink, but not drink as much and celebrate that small win. And that just led to momentum for her. Um, yeah. Yeah. Build on the successes. Exactly. Short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Great. Let's go on to question number two. Here it is. I'm struggling with my non-negotiable of not drinking at home alone. I'm having difficulty committing to it and I'm slipping back into mindless drinking. I hate the aftermath of drinking, like the effects on my physical, mental, or emotional state, 
but I am still missing the first glass of wine feeling that really does feel relaxing, even though I know the truth about any subsequent glasses of wine. Please help me find strategies to truly commit to this non-negotiable. I'm still ambivalent about making this commitment. Um, so I think what I would say there is um, one, one of the things would be, you know, it's going to be a trigger. Being alone in the house is going to be a trigger. So trying to change up your routine a little bit. So, you know, if you want to uh, usually drink your glass of wine on the couch, maybe sit in a different spot, you know, with, with another drink. And if you're going to drink, um, because one of the things I was thinking is really be mindful of does that glass of wine really relax you? Yes. Or is it the thought of the glass of wine? You know, as you're reaching for the glass of wine, are you already relaxed? And if you notice that that's the case, then maybe it isn't that first glass of wine. You know, it's the whole routine that you have around, you know, the first glass of wine, the time of day, where you're going to sit, what you're going to do. And really kind of be mindful about whether or not it's the wine that's doing that or if it's the whole process. And if you find that it's the whole process, then you can start building a new routine that doesn't include the glass of wine. You know, maybe you watch TV in another room. Um, I'm a big proponent of switching things up because yes. all of the, that environment is going to be a trigger. Your house is a trigger, right? And so of course you need to live in your house, but you know, maybe do a new hobby, do a new activity mm -hmm. um, and do it in a different place. And hopefully uh, as you're adjusting to these new um, hobbies and ideas, then your house will become less of a trigger to drink. And really uh, uh, the main thing I think is really notice whether or not um, that first glass of wine is doing it for you because I have a feeling it's the whole process and not just that glass of wine. And so be really mindful of what it, that glass of wine is really doing. I love that. And um, yeah, I find that mindful drinking. So like if, if you decide to have that glass of wine to sit down without television, without your phone, ask yourself, how do I want to feel when I drink this glass of wine? pour the glass of wine, take about half an hour and drink it, and then check in with yourself. Again, without distraction, what I, what I find is like, Marilyn, you're 100% correct in that people tend to say, okay, you know, I'm really stressed out. I need this glass of wine. They're already feeling better when they're walking toward the cabinet um, and they don't recognize it. And then on top of that, they start drinking the wine and they stop paying attention altogether. And then they don't realize that. And, you know, we talk about this in the alcohol experiment. They actually feel worse after that glass of wine than when they started. Now, it's one thing for me to say this, you know, on a podcast or in a course or in a coaching session. It is a completely different thing for someone to actually experience it. Um, and so that's why I think that mindful drinking is so powerful and so helpful, um, is that you can do it and, you know, be honest with yourself. You know, um, Annie did a version of it where she recorded herself as she went through the evening and had subsequent glasses of wine. Um, 
the thing that that starts to happen when we block out all of the other things we are experiencing, right? So this isn't like drinking wine and watching Netflix or drinking wine at a bar and with other people around. Um, is we really want to isolate that variable of alcohol, um, and doing that can be super powerful. Now I'm not going to tell the re, you know the the person who wrote in what they're going to experience because that's going to be totally up to them. I can say though, from my own experience and from other people that I've coached, it's not what we think it is, you know? And <laughs> the reality is as we drink our abilities to, you know, really, um, well, as we drink our abilities to think become diminished and we just don't notice it until we make a point of doing it mindfully. Um, yeah, and you know, the other thing is this, this person asked about non-negotiables. And, you know, this non-negotiable concept that we have in our program is, is really simple. Like when you go, um, when you go to, uh, when you go to quit drinking, there are non-negotiables. There are behaviors I will no longer tolerate out of myself. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, if this non-negotiable of not drinking at home alone, um, if that should really be in the non-negotiable category, or maybe it's something that you're working on. Um, and the reason that I say that is just like the answer to the last question, there is such a thing as progress, right? You don't have to say like, I guess what I'm saying is there's a difference between I really don't want to do this thing, but it's hard for me to not do it and a non-negotiable, um, if that makes sense. How, how have you handled, how, or how do you handle well, non-negotiables, Marilyn? Well, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. What, what's her reason for having a non-negotiable? So when I have a non-negotiable, you know, when I had a non-negotiable, I was, um, I'm not going to uh, drink for, while I'm grading. This was one of my non-negotiables. Um, and I kind of delving into what's the reason for not drinking at home? Is it because, you know, uh, are you drinking because you're bored or are you drinking because you're anxious about being home alone? Like what, if you can kind of find what the reason behind that non-negotiable is, it, it makes it a lot easier to to realize am i just picking something just to yeah. pick a non-negotiable or I, yeah. or is there an actual reason for why i'm doing this and and like we said with the last question too is those whys are so important to help you during those really tough situations right where you're like i really want to drink right now but i said i wouldn't and yeah. trying to hone in on the exact reason why it, i think is helpful for sure. So. Yeah. And non-negotiables are, you know, they're tricky because we don't. So just to be clear, in a lot of cases, non-negotiables are things that like, if we cross this line, then we're going to continue our experiment for another 60 days alcohol-free. And it's, it can be very good to motivate you to act in a certain way. However, it can also, in some cases, turn into a bit of a a weapon, right? Where we beat ourselves <laughs> up, which is exactly what we try not to do. Um, and that's why picking a non-negotiable that is, that is super difficult. Like if your non-negotiable is I am, if I drink, I'm not going to drink, uh, at all. <laughs> like it does, you're gonna, you're, you're creating a situation where you're going to create tension and where you're going to create right. uh, a collision with that non-negotiable. Um, and yes, I could, I couldn't agree more with the idea of the why, um, and making that clear. And the, uh, one more thing I'll say about it is really when you're in that time where you're home alone, um, 
you know, the, there's another way of looking at the why is saying like, how do I want to feel right now? Right. And it, and it's, it could be like, I want, I'm tired. I want to go to bed or I'm hungry. I want to eat something, or it could be I'm bored, right? Whatever that is, but getting underneath that urge to drink, what happens to us over time is alcohol becomes a solution for all different types of problems. And so, and after a while, we actually get bad at even identifying what problem it is that we <laughs> So it takes us uh, an extra step as we're getting used to this to say like, what am I actually looking for here? Um, and asking yourself that question with your why in mind will help you kind of choose a different direction. Um, so I, I hope all that's helpful to the person who wrote in. I know yeah. it's, it's very difficult when you feel like you keep breaking this promise to yourself. Um, but if we start from the place of self-compassion and give you the, give you the ability to make decisions here, instead of forcing yourself into something, it might feel a lot better. And baby steps too. Like maybe I won't have wine while I'm cooking, you know, like maybe that's an easier non-negotiable than, yes. you know, uh, or I'm not going to drink wine if I'm watching, you know, a show or if I'm reading a book or wh whatever, you know, pick one thing and then maybe keep adding once again, once you're successful, you can keep adding more and more stuff to that. I love it. Awesome. Um, right. We are actually almost out of time. So I'm okay. going to skip the last question and okay. we're going to go to your curveball question. Uh, it's not that much of a curveball though. I picked, <laughs> I picked a softball for you, Marilyn. Um, All right. Here it is. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Definitely the beach. Mm. Um, I don't, and I grew up in Puerto Rico. So I am, I love warm weather. I love the sun. Um, and so that's like my happy place, uh, being able to have uh, a window that looks out into a beach. I don't actually like to go in the beach, but I like to walk along the beach yes. and I like to look at the beach. Um, I have not yet been um, to a lot of places, but um, anywhere in the Caribbean would sound lovely. Um, so I, if I never have to wear a sweater again, I'd be, <laughs> be, okay completely, <laughs> I'd be completely happy. That's awesome. Thank um, you, Marilyn. And thanks for hanging out. This was great. I really appreciate yeah, it. Was so much time. fun. Thank you, Scott. Um, so if people want to find out more about you, what is your website? Where can they go to, to read more? Uh, so like I said, it's Sazon, S-A-Z-O-N, sin alcohol, uh, dot com. Awesome. That's where they can much. find me. Very Thanks, good. Guys. And thank you to those of you listening. I'll be back again with another episode of Coaching Questions very soon. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Let me ask you a question. What is better than change? <laughs> Lasting change, of course. And if you've had trouble making change stick, either with alcohol or in any other area of your life, you are in for a treat. I created the 100 Days of Lasting Change to ensure that we don't just change for a moment, but we truly transform for a lifetime. And this program is so close to my heart. Thousands of people have been through it and their results are incredible. But don't take my word for it. Check it out at thisnakedmind.com forward slash 100 days. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.